Welcome to the Injury Law Pod, the podcast that explores and demystifies the complex world of personal injury law. Each week, Missouri personal injury attorney Eric Bartlett dives into the legal issues surrounding personal injury cases to help you understand your rights and options when seeking justice and compensation for personal injuries. So sit back, relax, and let's explore the world of personal injury law together. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Injury Law Pod. I am your host, Eric Bartlett, 28-year personal injury lawyer, and this is the podcast where we discuss everything personal injury law related, and we try to level the playing field for those who may be facing an injury claim of some sort, level the playing field against the insurance company who knows all the rules of the game, if you will. Uh, Again, they have one mission, that's to make money. They know the ins and the outs of the claims process. And most people who have never gone through it do not. And even if somebody Googles and thinks they've got all the information they need, they still don't know. And what they always say, right, is uh, you don't know what you don't know, and that can hurt you. So I started this podcast to help people so that they have some foundation to not make mistakes when they have an injury claim. So I'm going to start uh, doing some random episodes where I just kind of take some examples from maybe the last couple weeks of my business life, my law firm life, things that have come across that highlight some of the things that I discuss in podcast episodes in more of a general matter. So obviously I put out a lot of content talking about various aspects of personal injury law and what you should have and what you should know. But, you know, in a matter, in a one week time period, I will come across the issues that I've been talking about. And so I got to thinking what better way than just to talk about these real life scenarios that are unfolding. And again, no names, no identifying information, because a lot of these are my actual clients going through actual situations right now. But what better way to just bring it home, all the stuff that I'm putting out there that you should know about, than giving you the real life examples. And man, we just, again, I I always say this, but on a weekly basis, we just see so much different or so many different things come across that uh, highlight just all of the information you really need to know. So today I'm going to talk about uh, three different situations that we kind of have going on now. And 
how they really highlight some of the pointers that I've talked about in the past. One of those um, is in the work injury world. And what we've had here recently is a couple different calls where people are reporting a repetitive motion injury. So something like carpal tunnel, you know, these, these types of injuries come on over a long period of time of doing the same type of work. And whether that's working on a keyboard, whether that's working in a factory, doing the same type of repetitive motion, maybe with a drill, with some kind of a machine, whatever that is, a lot of people experience repetitive motion injuries. And again, it takes time for those to come to come on and become uh, enough of a problem that somebody feels like they just cannot carry on doing their job without some kind of medical intervention. So what we've seen here recently in a really weird twist is like somebody called us, they reported their repetitive motion injury. Now, again, you have to remember, this isn't an acute injury. This isn't something happened, you know, something immediate occurred, which then caused injury. This is something that's come over a long period of time. But what's interesting is they end up pursuant to an employer's drug testing policy. They get drug tested because they've reported a repetitive motion injury and marijuana shows up in their system. And of course, now in Missouri, marijuana is legal. It's a legal drug. And just because you have marijuana in your system, unlike alcohol, marijuana in your system does not indicate any type of impairment because there's an active and an inactive component of THC, which is the drug that's in marijuana. And so just because you have a positive hit on a drug test, it really demonstrates nothing. But then even more importantly, is that somebody is claiming a condition that has developed over time. They're not claiming that you know, they fell off of a wall, they stepped off of something wrong, they picked up a box and something snapped, some immediate injury action that, you know, at that point, you would be looking at whether, okay, was this person impaired under the influence, something like that, which led to this injury. That's not the situation here at all. The situation is they're claiming an injury that has developed over a period of time. And so the fact of a positive drug test should play no relevance in any of this. And then even more importantly, should they get fired for having marijuana in their system when marijuana is legal? So we're running into this really kind of strange world now 
where I think drug policies of employers are not catching up to what the current state of the law is. And it's creating some real hardships on people because they're getting punished for exercising their rights under the work comp system because they're getting fired for having marijuana in their system. So again, we've seen that on a couple different occasions here in the last few weeks. And so I just wanted to talk about that because again, we've got a big conflict here going between reality of what is legal and what having marijuana in your system even shows and what employers are doing under their policies and with the information they get. So we got we got a, a ways to go. We've got some work to do to kind of pull all this together and make it make sense as we go forward. So that's one of the things we've seen here in the last few weeks. Another thing is kind of interesting, which and honestly, I, I flagged this because in 28 years of doing this type of law, I haven't seen this before. So we have a family that was hit by a commercial truck, a big semi. Okay, so commercial trucks to legally operate on the roadways they have to have in place insurance on the vehicle and it has to be $750,000 and they have to submit that to the appropriate institutions showing they have insurance coverage, all those things. That's all required to be legally operating a commercial vehicle on the roadways. Well, so I currently represent this family who was hit by this truck and here's what's going on. Obviously we reach out to the company, you know, they show on the accident report that we got, it shows that they obviously had an insurance card. The driver had an insurance card in his truck. Well, when we go to submit this claim, we send a letter to the company, they send it over to their insurance company. The insurance company is denying coverage. We're like, whoa, 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 what, what is this all about? And this particular situation is going on nearly a year now. And for a year, there has been no clear answer as to why there's no insurance coverage. So how have I moved this forward for my folks? Because we're literally in a situation where the company, the truck company says, Hey, we've got insurance. Don't bother us. We're not going to do anything about this. And the insurance company says, Nope, not so fast coverage well situation i filed for well first off i filed a lawsuit i filed a lawsuit against the truck company and their driver because when nobody wants to take action 
and I got people that are hurt and I got people without a vehicle because the vehicle was totaled. Nobody wants to take responsibility. File a lawsuit. That's the tool I have in the toolbox. So filed the lawsuit and the got the trucking company served with the legal papers. That's what you have to do. File a lawsuit. Then you get them that you have to get them physically served. Somebody you hand them the paperwork. And we did that. And then nobody ever responded. The truck company didn't file any responsive pleadings. They didn't hire a lawyer show up. And meanwhile, the insurance company, they're saying we don't we don't have any coverage. So we're not hiring a lawyer and, and defending you. So I let some time go by and then I filed a motion for a default judgment. And in the meantime, and I let the truck company know what I was doing, because at the end of the day, I'd much rather get the insurance company involved. And, you know, I know, right, that's the, I won't say the guaranteed money, but that's the money that's there for this purpose. That's why somebody has insurance is to handle this claim. Now it's not always easy. We know that I talk about it all the time, but I'd rather have the insurance company involved because otherwise, and I'll obviously talk a little more about this, but you know, you, I'm, I can go get a judgment against this company and then I can go through the um, process of getting the money out of the company. But in theory, the easier route at the end of the day is to have the insurance company involved. But in the meantime, I file this lawsuit. I file for a motion for a default judgment. I let this company know, look, all of this is going on. You are in default in court in Missouri because this is an out-of-state company. And I'm telling them this. I actually get on the phone with somebody at the truck company. And finally, a lawyer that they have hired here locally contacts me. And it seems like this lawyer is going to try to get some things going. He doesn't know why there's an insurance coverage issue, but going to try to get stuff going. Well, it never, it never happens. So I go to court. I get a default judgment on responsibility. We call it liability, meaning the judge says, yep, nobody has answered this lawsuit. You can have a judgment against them so that there's no issue now about who's at fault. It's absolutely, it's ruled the truck company is at fault. Then we're going to have another hearing on how much I'm going to get as a judgment against this truck company. But I needed to put some evidence together to support what I'm asking for. So we put that off. Well, in the meantime, all of a sudden, well, I actually reach out and I talk to the insurance company because I want to know what is going on because we keep getting correspondence from the insurance company, like asking us for our clients, medical records and bills and kind of status update. But on the other hand, I know that the insurance company is not covering it. Well, so I finally find out that the issue arises because the truck company, 
according to the insurance company, did not identify their newly purchased truck within the appropriate time frame they're supposed to do that. So generally speaking, you have a 30-day window when you buy a new vehicle that your your that new vehicle is covered for 30 days, even if you haven't notified the insurance company of the new purchase. It's just kind of automatically brought onto the policy. But after 30 days, if you haven't specifically listed that vehicle and there's an accident, there's a problem. At that point, the insurance company isn't going to cover it. So that's what the insurance company is saying is that they had a newly purchased truck. It was outside the 30 day window and they didn't call the insurance company and list it with them. Now, the truck company, I learned, is saying that they did call the insurance company and they did report it. And somewhere in all of that, it got lost. So there's this fight. But as I sit here today and I come to you on this podcast, there's been a development and all of a sudden the insurance company hired a lawyer to enter an appearance and defend the claim, try to get the default judgment set aside, good luck, uh, but otherwise work to get the claim resolved. And so it has been nearly a year. I have been fighting for my clients. I've been pushing on a really weird situation, never seen this. With a commercial vehicle, you can just assume there's going to be insurance. And the fact that there wasn't insurance is pretty mind blowing. But I felt good that, you know, I do have a national trucking company behind all of this and I will beat it out of them. There is money there. So this isn't like John Doe driving his 2003 Honda Accord hit my client. And if there's no insurance, there's probably no money because John Doe doesn't own anything. I felt good about that. It's just unbelievable the amount of fighting and logistics that have had to go into getting something in place so that my folks are going to most likely see a recovery. So that is one thing that uh, has been going on for a while, but it kind of came to um, a point of emphasis here in the last week because the insurance company finally hired a lawyer. And so I feel like maybe we're on track to get something really done for these people who uh, the husband was pretty seriously hurt. He's going to have to have uh, shoulder surgery. So this is a good, good thing that he's getting finally the road to compensation for these injuries. Okay. Final one is we have a situation where we have a client who is the passenger in a vehicle that's involved in a collision. And we initially, we we don't know exactly what we're hearing from this, the client and from her driver that it's the other driver's fault. Well, we eventually get the police report and it actually appears that the fault probably rests with our client's driver. 
So she's the passenger in this vehicle. So we end up having to get out of representing the driver of her vehicle because it's, again, it's been established that her driver was at fault. So, so now, or at least shares in fault. So I should point that out. It's a split of fault. It's not completely the driver's fault, our client's driver's fault. Um, and it's not completely the other vehicle that was involved, their fault. So there's a split. Insurance companies have kind of worked it out as to the split. But now we have a situation where, again, you know, we would have a conflict in representing the passenger um, and the driver of this car because our passenger client has a claim against her driver now that fault has been established there. So we now are just representing the passenger and the question becomes, right, how do we handle insurance claims on all of this? Because, you know, we've got two drivers at fault and we have a passenger who's not at fault. Passenger can't be at fault, right? Unless they grab the wheel and cause the accident, they're along for the ride. So, you know, we're, we're always trying to look at, okay, when this is sort of coming down to the end and our, our client is still getting treated. So we're, we're not there yet, but you know, what's going to be the smoothest path to recovery for our client. I mean, why make it harder, right? We want to get our job is to get our clients compensated for the most money that we can reasonably get them and in the most efficient manner that we can make it happen. And so, you know, there's actually a, a few different things here because it, we have a liability dispute amongst two drivers. And so what we will start by doing is we'll collect everything and we'll, we'll put it in both insurance companies' hands. All right. We'll say, here it is. If you've all figured out how you're apportioning fault between yourselves, great. But you need to keep that in mind because what we don't want is each of you trying to value the claim less than it should be because you're blaming the other driver. So we're going to have to see how that unfolds. But if, for example, the the party with the most fault in the accident, I they have a fairly low amount of uh, insurance policy limits. And so there's a good chance that because of the injuries to our client and the treatment she's getting, there's a good chance they end up just offering all those limits to settle the claim. So then, we already been looking at, okay, so if that happens, then what's the, what's the best way to proceed? I mean, do we go fight it out with the insurance company for the other driver who has less fault? And again, they may end up, you know, putting their feet in the sand, heels in the ground, right? Making it harder. And you have to file a lawsuit, go through all that, or or do we look at whether 
our client, the passenger, has underinsured motorist coverage on her own automobile policy that would come into play to pay compensation for her damages. And you have to remember, her underinsured motorist coverage would come into play in relationship to the fault of her driver who has the majority of the fault in the accident. Okay. So now we can utilize her own insurance to go off of the fault of her own driver who has the majority of fault in the accident. And we're dealing directly with an insurance company. And if we would have to file that claim as a lawsuit, now we're suing an insurance company directly, which is always better than having to sue an individual directly because, well, people don't love insurance companies. And you'd much rather have the insurance company as the target. And at the end of the day, that's the coverage that our client purchased. And that company has a responsibility to honor that coverage and pay on that coverage. And if they don't, she can sue her company to make that claim. And so that is, in this particular instance, that is the most efficient way to handle this claim, depending on how the insurance companies for the two drivers end up assessing fault and paying on the claim. And that is a perfect example of how hard all of this can be. And if you don't have a seasoned personal injury lawyer that has seen this scenario unfold many times over the years, mistakes are going to be made because a lay person is not going to appreciate that they have their own coverage potentially to kick in and make this whole thing a lot easier. And they're going to get bogged down fighting with an insurance company that's saying, hey, look, our person didn't have much responsibility. We're not paying you much. And you can take it or you can leave it. And also, if you have a lawyer who doesn't do this all the time, they're going to get bogged down fighting with an insurance company for a driver that doesn't have a lot of fault when it could have been a lot smoother. So this is just a perfect real world example of why you need somebody in the mix that knows what the heck they're doing, or you're going to get bogged down and you're probably going to end up taking less money than you should because you didn't realize the easier way is to pursue your own coverage based on the fault of the majority at fault driver. And now your own coverage has to assume that role and make it happen. And you know, that goes back to just the previous example that I had about the trucking company that doesn't have insurance. Again, you know, if you are on your own or you're in the hands of a lawyer that doesn't deal with this stuff that lawyer or on your own is not going to be moving things forward because they're going to get bogged down in just waiting just waiting for some magical thing to happen 
to try to move the claim forward for their client. And meanwhile, nothing is going to happen and they're going to be lost. The person on their own, I mean, my clients would have had absolutely no idea how to make this thing move forward. And luckily, they reached out to me. You know, when things didn't start to go smoothly from the beginning, when they were just dealing with the property damage to their vehicle and wanted to get that done, and they were running into a roadblock, they reached out to us and we got it on track. And again, it's been a fight, but it's been a fight that we've moved forward. And it's been a fight that through the things that we've done, now all of a sudden we've got an insurance company that's saying hey you got a default judgment against us we want to wrap this up because we know you're probably going to go get a big judgment against us and or against our insured and then we've got big big issues and because we were in this normally i would say something we were in this um battle with our insured about how they didn't report it and they say they did report it and now we're probably on the hook for a big judgment so hey we're ready we're ready to settle up and that's because my clients reached out to lawyers that have seen this have done it again haven't seen that specific instance i told you i have never seen a commercial vehicle that there was an insurance fight over but i have seen plenty of insurance fights and I know what to do when that happens. I know how to keep it moving forward for my clients. So listen, I hope these real world examples just give some depth to the things that we talk about here on the podcast. I'm going to do this from time to time because I swear every week I have three examples that I can talk about. So I'm going to make it a regular part of the podcast. If you're in a situation you need help with an injury claim, feel free to reach out. We're here. It's free to call us. And remember, if you want to move forward, it's basically we work for free until we get you money. So it's a no obligation consultation and you can get us involved without any money up front. And we're always happy to help fight insurance companies, big companies, whatever that looks like. If you've enjoyed this episode, I always ask for a five-star rating wherever you found us and please share it. And until next time, be safe and be well.